0: I thought it was very objectifying because I was born in 1922, and that's bad. And I could see her shoulders. What's up, Story Geeks? It's Jay. We are geeks. We admit it, we own it, and we love science fiction, fantasy, and comic books, which is why we dig deeper into the characters, plot lines, and themes that appear in geek stories, just like Wonder Woman. But this is kind of like not necessarily a story, so much as it is things that affect story this time around.
1: True. Yeah true and uh it's gonna be a good one so i'm daryl and um first of all we want to say we'd love for you guys to join our conversation so leave us a comment on our blog on podbean on youtube or send us an email at the storygeeks at gmail.com and really quick before you forget click on the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming episodes and let us know you're listening by commenting or shoot us an email we would love to meet you electronically
0: Yes. So I mentioned we're not really digging into a story so much as we're digging deeper into...
1: Well, we're digging into a story in a way
0: that we have not quite dug into a story before. Yeah, and we may get into other stories. This may lead us into other stories as well. It I might. hope. I kind of hope it does. But we're talking about Wonder Woman's costuming.
1: Yeah. So, this, so for those of you, hopefully you've heard it by now, but we released a podcast on Wonder Woman where our guests were our wives, Jamie Smith and Jessica Shear. And... We got into the area of costuming, and we realized that there's just this whole subgenre around Wonder Woman's costume. And we thought, we need to talk about that more, but we need some expert help in doing so. That's right. Yeah. And you happen to know some experts. I I do. I do. (laughs) So we have a very special guest joining us on this episode. Um, she is first and foremost a fan of the Story Geeks, Absolutely. one of our longest time fans, yep. Yeah. Um, and um, a very, one of my oldest friends, a good friend of mine, and a professional in the costuming world, which we will let her explain, but Kate Asera is our guest tonight. Welcome, Kate.
2: Thanks for having me. Yeah, Exciting.
0: Thanks
1: for being here. So tell us a little bit about what you do in the world of costuming.
2: What I do, the title is I am a cutter draper. So what that means is I take the costume designer's rendering and the fabric and the actor's measurements and I make it happen. Mm. So I kind of equate it to an architect designs a building and the engineer figures out how to do it and the construction crew builds it. So I'm the engineer in the construction crew.
0: That's yeah. cool.
1: Yeah. And it's in the theater realm that you're doing. Yeah, that I work right in now. live theater. I yes. work at
2: South Coast Repertory in Costa Mesa.
1: That's right. Nice. So, and this is super fun because, I mean, I've been going to movies with Kate and her husband, who is my best friend. And we've been, we've been going to movies together for years. And we always talk about costumes. Like, it's just a thing that I do <laughs> because it's what she loves. It's and the price so, of being my friend. And,
3: <laughs>
1: and so now we get to talk about it here on the show were you guys listening to the so, live show
0: at all today
2: we were driving here so oh, we just okay. got like the tail end so.
0: got it because on the live show we actually talked about costuming and who has the worst costume or what would it, what would you change about the worst yeah, costume yeah, yeah. You got because we were doing a q a today and that's yeah, one of the yeah, questions yeah. we got which i was thinking could maybe be a patreon thing Ooh, so maybe yeah which yeah, yeah. this
1: was originally going to be so when we were yeah. when we were doing the wonder woman podcast we were going to do this discussion with kate that's right. as a patreon exclusive and we sort of realized that's not enough time, it should be bigger, more people should hear it. Yeah. And so, full-fledged episode.
2: Watch out. Yeah.
1: That's right. So, yeah, thanks for doing this. Sure, it's exciting. This is fun. So uh, we can dive into questions here. Um, so first of all, Kate, we'll start with you on this one, because um, I think this will relate to you mostly, mm-hmm. more than it will us, but I think we, we can answer this too. Mm-hmm. What is it that you love about costuming?
2: I love costumes because they can communicate so much about a character or a story mm-hmm. without a word being said. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, what that's communicating to an audience member, like the audience isn't even really consciously aware of it, mm. you know? So it's just a form of communication that really we as people every day partake in. We just don't think of it that way. Yeah. But, um, so I like that. I like what it com- can communicate. Um, I love that it also affects the actors.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, we had an actor one time in a fitting, and he was like one of the final fittings. He had this awesome costume on, and he just looked at himself in the mirror, and he just said, "I love when the costume does all the work." <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, cool, so yeah.
2: like the costume was the costume can tell an actor how to sit, how to stand, how to move, how close they can stand to someone. Mm-hmm. You know, so. What I do affects what an audience member sees, totally. which is you know super cool.
0: Yeah, that's really cool.
1: It is super cool. What about you, Jay? What? A, what what do I love have been about your thoughts in the, in the realm of costume? <laughs> my first so, <laughs> as
0: as a writer. Yeah, my first thought is I don't love anything about it. It just is what it is. You because don't it's not think that visually? Well, no, no, I do think visually, but. So, but as I hear Kate talking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, of course. So this happened to us on our um, Star Wars fan film, mm-hmm. where uh, I was a writer on that film. Plus, I had a co-writer with with me, and we didn't write details of costuming into the script. And, and normally on a script, you wouldn't. In prose, you would. Mm-hmm. You would write. You you would give the costumer probably. An indication of what you were looking for but you right. wouldn't necessarily give them like do this and do this and do this and do this you give them more Some of a vision yeah <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure um, and I think that so, but one of the coolest things was when I walked on to set and I saw the actors coming out the actors and actresses coming out it was astounding it was like this is far better than anything I would have ever come up with in my head like yeah. this is amazing so I think that there's something about costuming that can bring things to life in such a way. Because as a writer, like if I'm doing prose, I start to mention key components of costuming that would speak to what the character is about. Yeah. But I control what the audience uh, gets to be told or be shown, and then they can fill in the blanks if I don't fill in everything. Yeah. With what the character, with what they would do, but that is not true on film. Because on film, you're going to see everything Mm -hmm. or in a play, you're going to see everything. And that's where costuming really takes over and then completes the character in a way that I think the writer maybe doesn't choose to if you're me or maybe can't if you're trying to really come up with the details.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's cool. For me, I think about, I mean, it's weird because I've grown up with comic books. Mm -hmm. So I hear the term costume. And for me, a costume is this big outlandish thing with a cape and armor and stuff like that. And um, obviously, it's so much more than that. But that's a part of it for me because as a comic fan, I love world building. And I love having a backstory and a history to the stuff that I'm watching and reading. And costumes are a vital part of that. And when it's bad, you notice it. (laughs) It really takes you out of it, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, as a fan of world building, I think costumes are awesome. So, and I'm glad we get to talk about it yeah, in a fun. dedicated fashion. Yeah. Um, but we are the story geeks, right? We, we love stories and that's what we talk about. So let's talk a little bit about the impact of costuming on
0: storytelling. So, and let's start with you,
1: Jay, as, as a writer here, mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about the relationship there.
0: Well, like I was describing, like it can bring things to life. So when you talk, when you think about there's a, there's this thing that exists that is a story and it has a beginning, a middle and an end. And the goal of the entire team that is working on that story to make it come to life is to embed the audience in it so that everything that happens is believable. So you, so you can't take, you can't take any like for example. Let's just say that uh, let's just say that I was doing a film and all of my um, all of the the color tone was just completely wrong for what the tone of the film is. Yeah. Let's say like a, a Mad Max, the latest Mad Max, right? Yeah. You put different color tones on that film, you get a completely different film. So there's all these little technical details which that they've given in. us. Like, yeah, there's true. a black and white version, yes, which true. is a completely different, which is like Logan awesome. too. Yeah, Logan's yeah. done that too. So you can change the incomplete feel of the film and take people out of it or put people in a different mood, different frame of reference, whatever. And then I think, I don't think that there's anything more apparent than costuming when it comes to that detail. Yeah. Because if you don't get the costumes right, um, it's going to be terrible. So I don't know. I, what would you say, Kate?
2: Well, as far as a costume design, we say a lot of times at work, like if our work isn't noticed, we did a good job.
0: Ah
3: uh, yeah.
2: You know, so it's a lot of time unless of course like there are movies and scenes in movies and scenes in plays where it's like written in like we are featuring this like mm. whether it's a costume or you know like a tableau or a set or something. So that not talking about that, but other than those moments if you don't notice it, then that's a good design.
0: Ah, uh, got it. That makes yeah, yeah, it. Makes sense. Yeah, so. yeah, makes sense. Cuz it should fit. It right. should fit into that story. It should fit right. into the the I think we're, like, we're both saying the same thing from our, from our perspectives. Like right. the, there's the story has a beginning, middle, and end, and the entire time the audience should be in that story. Yeah. Right. And if the costumes make sense for that story and they fit the characters right. and they work well, you just go, I'm bought in. Right. If, yeah, if you walk out of the
2: theater and just think, that looked great and not A, B, C, D. Yes. Then that's a successful
0: yeah. thing. Now there are times when the costumes are better than the story yes so like i, I, I uh and, <laughs> and vice, oftentimes. Versa. vice versa though, <laughs> true, really, true, you know? that's true yeah but i'm thinking of like i'm thinking of like this is not a geek film per se but i, I remember recently seeing um a murder on the orient express wow, oh, It was a great movie i really liked the movie yeah but the costumes and the actors were better than the story was than the execution really? of that story i i think so but have you read the book a long time it's an incredibly ago.
1: ironic question for me to ask somebody else but, <laughs> <laughs> but. long time ago i think yeah I yeah i love that movie did you see that kate i haven't seen okay. it yet.
0: i want
2: to yeah and mostly i want to see it because of the clothes so yeah yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. it's gorgeous yeah it is yeah.
2: well like we had i had a fitting with an actor a couple weeks ago getting ready for a play and it was this really cool fabric that, like, the design was mirror image so I could do some really neat things in how I cut the fabric and stuff. And the director happened to notice, and he just came in. He was like, wow. And he actually went and got his assistant and said, look, this is what, you know, a good cutter will give you this, 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 and this, and that's why this looks so great. And the actor said, like, it, that never even occurred to me. I just yeah. know that it's it looks nice. Right. It's, yeah. Right. And like, it's like, that's all I need. I don't I don't need you to know why it looks nice. I yeah. just need you yeah. to know it looks nice. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's the weird thing about it. Like you said, you, you made the same point that I was going to make, that it works best when you're not even noticing it. Right. Because it serves the story so well right. that it doesn't even stand out to you as something that you should zero in on, mm-hmm. you know? Which is both great and unfortunate because of the huge amount of craft and artistry that goes into it. Right. You know? So that's kind of a double-edged sword there. Yeah. But, but yeah, when it's bad for me, man, <laughs> it's so distracting. Like I think of, we 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 just finished doing a live show, we and we bad-mouthed Green Lantern quite a bit oh, yeah. on the live show. And I'm going to do it again. Because <laughs> why not? Yeah. yeah. I mean, because, you know, they did the whole computer-generated costume thing in that yeah, one. And yeah. Man, it was just awful. Yeah. Now, the story wasn't good in that one either. So it's not like it was damaging anything, but...
0: I know I know one thing that I found inter- interesting lately is and you might know Kate how this works better than I do mm-hmm. but some of the CG costumes are way worse than the actual co- like live costuming. Yeah. And it, I don't know why that is is it because I've gotten
2: on a soapbox more than once about that. Oh, so. let's get it back on. Let's <laughs> talk soapbox. About it. Soapbox time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I imagine it has to
1: do with detail in some respects, right? Like they well, can't they just can't replicate it. As a it?
2: non- super tech savvy cg person yeah i just i want the real i want the tactile whether mm. that's costumes or whether that's set pieces like that yeah. was really you guys are going to hate me for it but that was my biggest peeve on the star wars sequels like mm. all no, of those for that. all of those sets don't exist mm. and i believe that Affects the performance of the actors,
1: uh, and it affects yeah, yeah.
2: me as an audience member going, "That is crazy." When
1: did you say sequels or prequels? Prequels. Oh, yeah. oh no, yeah. we don't hate you at all. No, <laughs> no. I mean, I mean, we're right there that's, with you. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, why. that's true, <laughs> but, and it's true in some regards for the sequels too. Right. I mean, but On there are them, certain yeah. parts of the sequels that are. Real that are also brilliant right. and beautiful. So right. yeah. and
2: I'm not saying like the beautiful landscapes and this and that, but when you're in an environment that can be created for real because there's amazing artisans, like yeah. just create it for real. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well and I think that's one of our big beefs with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull too. Oh. Which you guys love movie that, that movie. What movie is that? Is that movie? What is that movie? Well, it's not part of a franchise, but it's <laughs> right. just yeah. it's this weird movie with a dude in a hat.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I, mean, I don't think Harrison Ford was in it. No. Spielberg didn't do it. No. It was just something. Yeah, I don't I, know. don't. I don't know what I'm talking about. I just. But I think it was. I think it was written, directed, and starred in <laughs> by Shia
1: LaBeouf. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, <laughs> that's one of the big problems. Is you watch that? You watch Last Crusade, and I know we're not talking about this, but. So- soapbox, right? You watch Last Crusade. You watch Raiders. You watch um, the other one. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why, why can't I remember the other? Temple of Temple Doom. of Doom, yeah, um, yeah. And there are these beautiful locations and these landscapes and all this stuff. Yeah. And then you watch this other one, and it's like they're in a warehouse with a few house plants <laughs> strewn about, you know? Yeah. And the rest is CG, and it's just... This is
2: kind of later, one of your later questions, but that was my biggest beef with the live action beating the beast.
1: Mm. Oh,
2: was the beast costumes are all. Oh, that's right. Because he's completely
1: CGI. Yeah.
2: But why when for a long time now there's been a live Broadway show with the actor with a full on contorted shaped suit to make him. Yeah. The beast shape. He's got real clothes that fit him that are amazing. Yeah, yeah. So you can't tell me Hollywood and Disney did not have the budget to make that for real.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's about budget. I think it's more about control because with performance capture, right? I've, I've heard a ton about this lately with like the stuff that Andy Serkis has done and then with Ready Player One. With performance capture, you can literally go back and redo everything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even matter where you have the camera. Right. Like all that stuff is shot in this big room called a volume and you can go back later and put the camera anywhere you want. Right. And so that's probably why they did it, just for the sake of control. Well, and I know
2: like his face and his hands and all of that were, had to be CGI too. So I'm sure there was a thing of of blending might be difficult, but like his costumes pulled me out the whole time. Like I Mm. never could get sucked into that because I'm like, that's so fake. (laughs) And I could make that. And they just made a fake one. Which is an amazing skill set on it to itself. I'm right, not right. belittling that skill yeah. set at all.
1: But I agree. I mean, I love that movie. But that that is an unfortunate part of it too. Because also, they could have just done a really good makeup job on Dan Stevens, and he would have killed it. Because he's
2: so good. He's so good.
0: Yeah. I think there's probably, if I had to guess, we will we'll have to have somebody on who does CG. <laughs> but if I had to guess, there's like this. There's probably a component. I'll to send it. Andy Circus an email. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. We'll have him answer each question as a different character he's (laughs) played. Yeah, Um, I think there's probably a component to it too, where like I loved the Black Panther costume when it wasn't CG, Mm -hmm. but when it was CG, the the proportions of the character didn't look quite right. The movement of the character didn't always look right. My biggest complaint about that film is the CG. I think is pretty terrible, Uh, in in parts, in parts. Right. But it makes me think too, like if you're gonna save. Computing power, or you're going to save time. That's that's actually a component of the costuming. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, that and that's all going to be done most likely in post. Meaning it's been filmed, and now you're trying to hit a deadline. Whereas costumers can be like, start working on the costume, and we we can't begin filming until you're done. Right. So they even have different components like that, where I think you can run into different different constraints. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So. Yeah. Totally. Okay,
1: well, we will come back and talk about some more other movies a little bit later on. Oh, but yeah. Let's shift right now and go <laughs> towards uh, Wonder Woman specifically, because that's kind of where this came from. Um, and I think Wonder Woman is just a movie that's really rich with these kinds of questions. So let's, uh, let's start with Wonder Woman herself, just the character of Wonder Woman and her costume. So Kate, just on kind of like a high level, how did you feel about Wonder Woman's costume?
2: Loved it. I think. Yeah. I think that Lindy Hemming did a great job with not just Diana's costume, but just as a whole. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great overall cohesive, I believe, this world. Yeah.
1: You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Did it strike you in any way as um, objectifying Dot in mm-hmm. any way? Or, I mean, we had that discussion a little bit on the other podcast.
2: Right. No, because here's the thing: you could take Gal Gadot, who is smoking hot, <laughs> and put her in that rat outfit and film her like Patty Jenkins did, and she's just this beautiful badass. Or you can get some other director with the same actor with the same costume, and that is something that I do not want to watch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it is totally degrading and awful. Mm. So
1: that movie's called Justice League it's not not quite
0: that bad bad. (laughs) now our chances of getting Josh Whedon on the podcast have plummeted
2: (laughs) so I just think I don't I mean you have to you know you have to honor source material to a point right so true you, and i think but I the think source just, material
1: at times oh, has yes. been radically
2: right like 1990s wonder woman i don't need to see that yeah,
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> you know
2: but i think no i think she did a good job of making it appropriate of where and when diana comes from yeah and still honoring the comic but not getting gross with it yeah so i think Yeah, I think she did a great job just pulling it from the page, but still making it better. Yeah.
1: What do you think, Jay?
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. We talked about this on the show, and I was just having thought about it, you know, for an extra week. um, I do think, you know, there's, I know that um, equality is like a big topic in the modern world. And I do think it's a really important topic in the modern world. So I don't mean to undermine that but the reality is different people in different costumes just will pull it off differently based on their body type based on Mm -hmm. your perception of them based on how they're made up not every not every outfit is equal on every person right right so if you did take a more 90s costuming take right if you put like let's say you put pamela anderson in the same outfit i probably don't have the level of respect that i have for gal gadot nor do i probably feel like i i, I probably feel like now at the hand in the hands of patty jenkins i don't know but in the hands I don't of oh th- man patty jenkins is great but that's a that's <laughs> well a hell of but, a task. but you see what i'm saying like 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 based on other criteria it'd be hard not to be Objectifying, yeah, right. In the same costume, exactly. So I, I think that there's a lot to be said for the presence. And I said this on the other podcast too, but the presence that Gal Gadot brings to mm-hmm. that yeah. character, and I don't feel like it's objectifying either. There was right. there was really no point in the film where I felt like, well, wow, they're really objectifying this character. Yeah, which is odd because I have felt that way about Black Widow, who's right. oftentimes more covered up, right than Gal Gadot was. Mm-hmm. So I think
1: that's Yeah, just but in her case, it may, it's just, it may as well just be a, a different color of skin. You know what I mean? Like, it's that tight and that... Right. Yeah, yeah. Form-fitting that...
0: Yeah, that's true. It's just...
1: Right. It, you know what I
0: mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think that's true. But again, I think it depends on... It depends on the characteristics of the person's body. Yeah. It, it depends on the director involved and what they're trying to convey. Yeah. It depends on um, the... Actress or actor in yeah. the role, which I think is a big thing about Wonder Woman, too, because um,
1: Gog dot is Israeli, right? Yes. yes. Or le- yeah. 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 Um, and everybody serves in the military. Yeah. Right. In Israel. So yeah. she served in the military. She's right. trained in battle and right, stuff like right, that. Right. So you get that in the way that she carries herself.
3: Yeah. You know? right. Yeah.
2: Well, and there's like no shot with her like pulling her hair down in slow motion in front of the yeah. fan shaking it and you know curling And like to Steve Trevor kind of. yeah. yeah Right, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like you could have the same person in the same costume directed differently and it's instantly objectifying. Yes. But that they didn't go there and they didn't need to to tell a good story yeah. which is yeah often why it's so frustrating when directors do go there right because you don't need that to tell a good story
0: yeah. no not at all so and i do think that there are some ways that the film does use objectification in a humorous way yes. or the, or the possibility of so we see Steve Trevor yeah and they make that a joke right and as an audience we know that in our modern culture in cinema it is far more likely for women to be objectified than men. Yeah. So this is a joke. This right. is this is a parody of mm-hmm. that kind of situation. Yeah. And then and then even the even the moment where she's going they're in they come up to London and she's gonna take off her overcoat and he's like, No, no, do do that, like everyone yeah. will freak out. Right. And again it's used as a humorous way, not as a means by which to actually objectify the character. Yeah. This so is an opportunity like to show your skin. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So Yeah, totally.
1: Um, yeah, the other thing I love about the costume, which I said on the other episode too, but is just the tactical nature of it. Yes, which you really see in No Man's Land with like yes. the leg guards and stuff like that, and how when she's when she's hunched hunched over with her shield, protecting everything but her legs, but and then her legs are protected by the guards. Like yeah. she really is truly protected,
2: well, which I just look, think is so cool. If you look up like Grecian warriors, mm-hmm. men even had the skirts, but I mean it. Right. The Wonder Woman costume is very resemblance of that. Like, there's a lot of similarities, and it's very appropriate for, like I said, when and where she comes from. Yeah. I don't think I would have gone into battle in that if I had a choice, (laughs) especially strapless. Yeah. But, you know, you got, again, source material and all that. Yeah. But, no, it's very appropriate for, I mean, a tactical for a Grecian warrior, which is basically what she is.
0: Yeah. Do you We're, feel this sorry go ahead, no, 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 I was just gonna say, oh, I was just gonna say that one of the things that came up on the last show too was when you're dealing with comic book characters, there is a fine line between objectification and I don't know what word I wanna use, like uh archetypes, right, yeah, right, so we are dealing with comic book characters, which are I think Jamie said it archetypal, yeah, right. which by definition means that they're not gonna look like me. They're right. going to look like Superman. Yeah. Right. So that, that is not what a normal human being looks like, but normal human beings don't have superpowers. Right. So there's some, we, and we've always done that in storytelling from like day one. I'm assuming from day one, but <laughs> like we, you know, like go back into the Greek times, right? Like right. Zeus is a giant powerful figure yeah. as, as represented. So that's just a common thing that we do with archetypes.
2: Well, and uh, the ideal body shape, Mm -hmm. changes over time sure you know you look at linda carter as wonder woman which i loved because i'm old and i watched that but (laughs) i mean that's a different body type than now like just what we find attractive we highlight and you know emphasize different things over different periods of time yeah totally but no i think they did a great job with gal
1: yeah you were mentioning um the Amazons as well. So let's go that direction a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, obviously there's a ton of similarities there, but how did you feel about the other Amazons mm-hmm. costumes?
2: I liked them a lot. I loved that they were all clearly from the same world. You mm-hmm. know, they are an isolated people group. So they're of course just, you know, going to dress similar similarly. But if you look at them, they're all different. Yeah. You know, like, they're from the same closet, but they're all different, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Um, just the variety um, was, I think, really awesome. I liked seeing the difference between, like, their sparring costumes and then their uniform costumes mm-hmm. when they were, like, in an official capacity. And then you get the battle, what they're wearing in battle, and then you get – the civilians what they were wearing you know i liked that a lot i think the official warrior ones and the sparring ones i think were very tactical and very i don't know super effective none of them were strapless (laughs) (laughs) because you can't be doing that if you're flipping upside down off a horse but but then you go to the civilians and they're wearing these beautiful linen Mm. dresses and skirts and you know and that's Mm. just perfect for the mediterranean and yet they still had accents of leather so it still tied them in Mm -hmm. Mm. to their same people group so it's like they just all belonged in the same world without any one sticking out
0: yeah
3: yeah
2: so i thought that was cool
1: what did you think jay
0: I I don't have anything to add, really. I mean, I, they're, they're, I thought they were – I don't think they – I don't have any complaints about it. You yeah. know, like I think um, – I mean, like Kate said, the definition of what is acceptable or what the ideal body type is or even what is considered uh, objectifying or not objectifying has changed so much mm-hmm. yeah. over time that it'd be you know you might find somebody out there that goes like i thought it was very objectifying because i was born in 1922 and that's bad i could see her shoulders yeah exactly (laughs) exactly right so so i I don't know like i don't know how other people might react to that and i'm making fun of that because i feel like there's probably not a lot of people that would say that yeah um the question in my mind is always like as it becomes to these what does it do what does the story tell you yeah and we talked a lot in return of the jedi about uh, slave Leia's costume, and what does the story tell you about this? And that was like a kind of a harder thing to determine. Yeah, but I think in this, she film, was a slave, and that was a costume that was thrust upon her. In exactly, a way, like she had no control over. So it. she was supposed to be objectified. Yeah, but in a creepy, really uh, disturbing way. Which then you have to ask: well, Did the storyteller think that, or did the storyteller think it was actually yeah. cool? Who's creepier, Jabba or George Lucas? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> title of our next podcast Um, (laughs) but so I think I think as it it comes to these Amazon outfits I never felt like the storyteller was saying we should be objectifying these people yeah which I know is not what we were talking about necessarily but as a answer to the last question seeping into this one I don't I thought it was good
2: well and I think also an easy what in the hands of another director would have been an easy route would be Well, the Amazons dress like this, and they're all dressed like the sparring outfits, because those are sexier. Yeah. So even like the women in the marketplace, and you know, like, that's just how they dress. And I think that that, in the hands of another director, would have been an easy out, and that would have been completely objectifying, because that makes no sense. Yep.
3: Yeah. You know?
2: Another thing I like about the um, Amazons, and this is specifically Antiope, is... She's got a wicked scar on her right shoulder. Yeah. And I love how that can say so much about her story hmm. without going into her story. That's cool. You know, so I really like just the, that level of detail. You know, I, makes I always me to-
1: wondered, and I never looked it up, but I always wondered if that was makeup or if Robin Wright actually has a scar on her body there that they chose not to cover up.
0: Ooh, that's a good question. You probably know.
2: could find out by looking at like red carpet photos and yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. stuff like that. So yeah.
1: Although there they might cover it
0: up. I don't know. Yeah.
2: I don't so know. I do have a question about that mm-hmm.
0: as it as it pertains to your job. Mm-hmm. How how much does the costumer work with the makeup artists?
2: Well, the costume designer would do that. So me, as a technician, uh, I don't much other than like a show we're working on right now has like a prosthetic, like really gross mosquito bite and stuff. So uh, we have to make sure that that shows and make mm, sure the shirt opens enough to show that. So other than that, my job doesn't deal with. But that all the makeup and the hair and scars and stuff like that is still all part of a costumer's, a costume designer's job. Oh, cool. Um, a lot of times different in film I'm not as familiar with, but you can have like a designer for a certain actor. Right. And the rest of, everybody else gets someone else or something, or like someone is in charge of all the hair and makeup, but they would be working very closely with yeah the costume designer.
0: On our, on our film, it was, they were, we had two makeup artists. One of them was from the Sci-Fi Channel, which was mm, cool. Cool. Um, and then we had one costumer. But you're right. Like because of all the stuff that was going on, they did have to work together to understand who is this character and right. what is he or she trying to portray. Right. So.
2: So in the theater world, that's all under the costume designers. Ah. World.
0: Got it. That makes sense. Cool. Yeah. The only other thing
1: I was going to say about the Amazons is I it sort of stuck out to me how everything that their costumes were made of mm-hmm. felt like stuff that could be found Yes. on that island. Yes. Which I really appreciated. Mm. That's a good point. Because then you don't wonder, we'll have some of them left the island right. to get clothes or <laughs> right. I got why this, do they uh, have topic. denim and Themyscira, you know, <laughs> <laughs> stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, pretty much they
2: have metal, they have leather, they have linen, yeah. they have fur. Yeah, You know, so I yeah. found it all totally believable. So I this wasn't is super stoked about Wonder Woman's like big black cloak. I thought that seemed a little much for the mediterranean mm. um, oh, yeah that's but, a good point you know whatever yeah. so well, I got this we'll come, we'll come like to that in a
0: second Coles advertising in the middle yeah. like i got this at Coles. <laughs> like what I thought you were
1: stuck on an island you, you see the faded logo if you look closely <laughs> that's right um we'll get to talking about that in a second but this is random and this wasn't mm-hmm. in the notes but i'm curious do you see do you feel any explanation for why the Wonder Woman outfit specifically is so much more colorful than everything else the Amazons had. I mean, I know obviously they want it to look like Wonder Woman from the comics in Mm -hmm. some way, but that was something that always kind of stuck out to me. Like part of me was like, oh, the costume's right there and she took it. Because there's always some way to explain costumes away. Right. And I often hate it when they, and I, you probably this probably bugs you too, I hate it when they have the character like make their own costume. Because for some reason they should know how to do that. Because, right? Because,
2: because Peter Parker totally knows how to use a serger.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I like that they didn't dive into it too much and that it was just there. Right. But I also can't help but wonder, well, why did they have this colorful costume sitting around that looks different from everything else they have? did you have any thought about that
2: my initial thought would be just because it is a uniform set aside for a specific special purpose and Mm. not just your everyday battle yeah yeah, (laughs) you know but it's it is something unique and honorable or something so it needs to stand out
1: and it's clearly in some sort of a Display. Armory. Right. Yeah, armory display yeah. type place because she was going into that room to get the sword. Right. So
0: Is there any sort of lore around who wore it before? Not that I'm aware of. Oh, interesting. That's that would be from and from I a don't storytelling know, perspective. That's fascinating. Yeah, mm-hmm. and
1: I haven't read enough Wonder Woman comics to know how the comics have ever explained right. her costume.
3: Yeah.
2: I know so. that the first season of the TV show did it shows her mom giving it to her I don't remember like the explanation but like she's giving her each piece and this is this and Mm. you know and her mom's just you know saying what it's to be used for but yeah
1: that's how it was in the early days of Superman too they said that Martha Kent made the costume for him there you go and I'm like okay well that's cute and all but (laughs) Martha Kent
2: didn't know how to sew lycra (laughs) all the stuff that he
1: does in that costume and it would have gotten destroyed right off yeah, the bat. Yeah, right, like right, 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 When they finally started saying that it was like Kryptonian garb or Kryptonian armor or something like that, I'm like, okay. That makes more sense. That's way better. Right. <laughs> Much happier with that. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, well, you mentioned the black cloak. Yes. So um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about the ways that Wonder Woman tried to disguise herself mm-hmm. once she got into the real world. Mm-hmm. And again, we talked a little bit about this in the wonder woman podcast but i think there's some interesting choices there so if it's okay i'll come back to you first yes. again on this one sure. um because you've got the black cloak you've got the outfit that she chose in london right before the mugging scene and then the black cloak comes back again some more so right. what were your thoughts on her attempts to fit in well
2: number one i think the fashion show sequence it's hilarious and like the perfect (laughs) right amount of comic relief yeah like it's just a nice little palette cleanser and it's a neat thing to show so many awesome fashions of the time so that's cool um i know like in the podcast like jamie mentions like she's coming out and looking coy and and stuff and i didn't see it that way i saw it as like I've tried on 348 outfits and I think <laughs> I might have found it, you know, like, like a bride going wedding gown shopping and they've tried on all of these wedding gowns and like they come out to their bridesmaids and like, I think this is the one, yeah. you know, so I kind of see that's how I read her face. And, um, I know Daryl, you had mentioned that I like, you thought Steve Trevor kind of gave her a look cause she's dressed like a man. Yeah,
1: but when I went back and listened to the episode, I also kind of thought, "But where the hell did I get that from?" Like (laughs) that's not really. But but (laughs) the thing is, you were kind of
2: right, because this movie takes place at the end of World War One, which is 1918. Yeah. Women in the UK got the vote in 1918. She was dressed as a suffragette. Mm. So when she comes out, and he's like, "No, wait, we're trying to get her to blend in."
3: Oh, we're yeah. not trying
2: to have her dress like a political radical, mm. you know, so I think that's why he was like, um, no, that's not going to work. Yeah. Mm. But it's just super cool that it just she's dressed like a suffragette and she's like the most powerful woman in the world, which yeah. is super rad. Yeah. You know, that's cool. so. I mean, to me, that's the whole that's like worth setting it in the time period they said it was just for that that moment. Yeah. Like, of course she'd be dressed as a suffragette because she would totally be on board with that. Mm. So it's just neat that that's when the war ended and some women got the vote then yeah. in the UK. Hmm. Um So yeah, and then Daryl, you'd mentioned that her glasses and like the mugging scene were- Clark Kent maybe. Was it Clark Kent? But <laughs> so here's the thing also, if you look at season one, not after but if you look at season one of the Wonder Woman show it's I see it as a total homage to that because her uh, glasses are very very similar and yeah. her hairstyle is very very similar. Yeah to Diana Prince. Yeah. So but which Diana, was
1: also probably an homage to uh, Right.
2: So and Diana yeah. Prince I think in the T V show I think she was Steve Trevor's secretary. Which is also a fun twist how they uh, kinda like changed uh, changed that. Yeah but, um, That's cool. So I thought that was neat. Just clever. Clever storytelling.
1: Yeah. I felt like it was a kind of a, it was funny because it was definitely homaging Clark Kent, but it also felt like a little bit of a jab Mm. at the idea that, you know, putting on glasses in a suit somehow makes you unrecognizable as Superman. (laughs) Right,
2: right, right. (laughs) It's it's funny. I never even went to Clark Kent. I was just like, oh, the TV show. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Although I will say, okay, this is totally off topic, but it's in my head, which means I have to say it. Um, The best explanation I ever heard for why Clark Kent works as a disguise for Superman, it was from some comic. I can't remember what comic it was. I don't know, Freddie, you're, you're probably the other biggest comic guy in the room. Maybe (laughs) you might remember, but it was um, basically the explanation was that when, Superman was in his Clark Kent disguise. Or maybe it was when he was Superman. I don't know. One of the times he used his super speed to modify his face. He basically moved his face at super speed so oh. that he looked a little bit different.
0: I see. So he's a mutant. Yeah, which you we, we can't see in a comic book, but they explained yeah. it. And I'm right. like, that's a great explanation. There you go. So he's constantly walking around twitching like crazy.
1: Yeah. It yep. must be exhausting to do if you actually have that power, but yeah. By the way, for those, totally for those for those
0: of you who do not watch the Story Geeks live show, Freddie is our sound engineer slash producer. Yes. So doesn't have a microphone, but is with us. <laughs> is with us in the room. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, that was totally random. What did you think, Jay, about her? I mean, this, is, this is one of those
0: cases for me where I would go. Yep. Didn't notice any of that. I mean, like, talked about, right? like, so I mean, for me, it was just like, yeah, I think the one thing I would say is that I really appreciated the World War I era motif across the board in production design from even like them pulling into London and you see it all. Because we always, at least in the US, because we were so much more involved in World War II. We see that all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. But we very rarely see World War One. Yeah. So it's really fun to see the war the war that ends all wars, right? That's yeah. um it's really fun to see that on film and to yeah. see it, superheroes in that context. Yeah. And even like the, the planes that they fly and stuff like that. But and which is another cool costume that mm-hmm. I had not even thought of off the top of my head, but now that I think about it I'm like, Yeah, that's cool when he's when he's the pilot costume, that's a great costume too.
1: Well that's kinda of where I want to go next. That's
0: the stuff I want to talk about
1: is Everything surrounding Diana. Mm-hmm. Like everything that suddenly we would have a historical reference for. So you start to think about accuracy and stuff like that. Hmm. Like the military costumes, the way the townspeople dressed in London mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So how did that strike you as far as accuracy? Did it take you out of it at all? Or
2: um, Well, like Jay, Jay was saying, like the aughts is just not a time period a lot of things are set in. So it's really cool to see that featured yeah you know and fashion wise they're kind of especially the women's wear is kind of odd looking to our modern eye like the hemlines are at a weird spot and the waistlines are kind of funny but so it's so neat like to see it done and then to see it done well was i think um really cool um in the london scenes i loved like all the different textures and the variety of styles like it's not Oh, yeah, they all went to the same store. You know, they was just a huge variety of fabrics and, and textures and stuff. Um, military-wise, did you ask me about that? Yeah. Um, I'm not a military expert. I'm not yeah. a military <laughs> expert. historian would have, would have notes. Yeah. Um, but what I really liked about the military uh, costumes was, like, just the variety again, but yet they're still all in uniform. Yeah. Um, I love the level of distressing and the variety of distressing like they didn't all get hit with the same mud brush Mm -hmm. Um, stuff like that and then you have these guys in the trenches or the guys coming back from the front and all of their disarray Mm -hmm. and then you have the contrast of the uniform the German uniformed, like officers in that boardroom meeting, yeah. And their uniforms are so rich in color, and yeah. they're so beautifully pressed, and they're wonderfully tailored, and the perfectly shiny buttons, clean. Yeah. yeah, perfectly clean and shiny buttons and shiny medals and, and so just the, the difference of that I thought was really cool. Like yeah. those two groups of people are having very different experience, you know, and mm. that shows in their clothes.
1: Yeah. Hmm. And it shows in the way that she interacts with all of them too. Mm-hmm. Like like when she goes into that room where all the generals are and stuff like that, she doesn't belong there. And right. she's like, Well, why don't I belong here? Why are you better than me? Right. You know? Right, right, right. And, she's and, then, so cool. and then she's out there amongst all the people and doesn't see the muck, doesn't see the dirt or anything like that. She just sees she's people sick. that need help. Yeah. You know?
2: Yep.
1: So what do you think, Jay?
0: Well, in my book costumes of the 1910s <laughs> i have no clue man <laughs> i have no clue i i it looks good to me <laughs> that's all i would be able to say
1: it does yeah i mean i couldn't i, I can't, i'm not a historical historical expert either so i can't speak to accuracy but right. i appreciated the consistency of right. it mm-hmm. everything felt very cold in the wonder woman film mm-hmm. like you never saw anybody that didn't look cold Mm -hmm. which I love, that seems like a simple thing, but there's lots of movies that would violate that Mm -hmm. just to have someone in a slightly cooler costume or something like that, you know? Um, Something else, I I think about Raiders of the Lost Ark in that terms too. It's exactly the opposite. Everything looks very hot and everybody looks sweaty and uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Totally.
2: The one costume that did pull me out was when they were at the gala and Diana steals the beautiful blue the silk blue dress. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that was clearly a dress that was designed to pull focus.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But did that belong in the 19-teens? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, there was, there is some homage to that. Yeah. Um But, and then with the sword down the back <laughs> of her dress, I'm like, no. I mean, that looks cool. I know what they were going for. But, so many no's for so many different reasons. And then like the, general guy like puts his arm around the small of her back yeah like he would have totally felt her sword there's let a sore there have been poking <laughs> out the bottom of her dress yeah, but yeah. you know so i think that was the only time i was just like well as not counting consistency issues that was the only time i was like no yeah no.
1: yeah the but only thing that occurred cool. to me in that one was the transitioning of it all like not necessarily, well, what happened to her costume, but then when things change, she gets back into the costume right. It's very quick. <laughs> and it's like, mm-hmm. well, clearly she was not wearing the costume underneath, underneath. that dress. Right. You know, I mean, it's not like she could have just yeah taking it off like a cape forgiving. or something. yeah, yeah <laughs> so.
2: I have a bigger consistency issue, oh, let's in, hear it later in in the movie but or earlier in the movie in the no man's land. And in the trench. What is I don't it? Know if now is the time to talk. Yeah. About sure, that. sure. But she's wearing her suffragette outfit that uh-huh. she got at the store, in boots and all. Um, and it shows them walking through the muck, and which is so cool. And like her black cloak gets all muddy, super cool. She's even got mud on her face, so cool. And she's got her white blouse and her suit jacket, and then her black cloak. And there's all these up close shots. And then the camera is behind her and it's showing Steve Trevor and they're having like a super intense conversation. By the way, Chris Pine totally believed him this whole movie. I thought he was yeah. so good.
0: Yeah, he's awesome.
2: Um but
0: you could say he's above average. <laughs> yes, <it's laughs> i am going to keep making that joke by the way. Well, he has a he's yes, got like a vigor. vigor. That's right. Yes. <laughs>
2: but she turns around and she has no white blouse she has you know she just has like you can see her skin and her black cloak Hmm. and she turns around and she pulls a pin out of her hair and does this weird shake thing and is instantly in wonder woman mode and i'm Mm. like even the TV show just had her do a cheesy spin. I was going to say, would you (laughs) rather she spun and then had this big sparkle? I would not want (laughs) that. But that at least explained it. (laughs) So What this movie needed was some disco music. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) No, it just, at least that explained it where, and even, like, you see that she's not wearing her costume underneath the... um, the suffragette costume underneath her cloak, but when she reaches up to take the pin out of her hair, she even still has the cuff of her blouse. Mm. So it's like they rigged that inside of her cloak. But I, I didn't just, notice I that had, at all. I just had to no, call BS yes there.
1: <laughs> I'm guessing Patty Jenkins was relying on the gravity of that moment for people not to notice right. that, you know? Because it's not like normal, but it's in that what regard. I'm going to do, <laughs>
3: you
2: know? Which is a super cool moment. Yeah, but. You know, and then she climbs up the ladder and it's awesome. And they do this feature on her shoes, which is awesome. And wow. And they get in the next village and she's wearing a completely different pair of shoes. And I'm just like, no, I can't do it. (laughs) Um,
1: What about Aries? And I'm talking about battle Aries, not so much the, in, not so much the general in his regular clothes guy, and stuff like guy. that. Yeah, but
2: I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to forget. I loved it. Yeah. I loved that it was like rough and just...
1: And thrown together and from thrown the parts together. that well, were laid pulled around. together, yeah. you know.
2: Yeah, I like that it wasn't like, I'm going to pull all this metal from my surroundings because now I have this beautifully polished chrome suit or yeah. whatever, you know, with leather accents because that's the world we come from. I yeah. love that it was just this raw blacksmithy kind of this is good enough to do battle in I thought that was really cool and consistent with the story Yeah, and it was different than the costume that he was wearing in like the story montage, Mm -hmm. like the storybook part like he was wearing a much more finer or refined suit so I liked that there was a difference Yeah, I thought that was super cool and like how he drug his fingers down his face to like make the eye holes and stuff I thought it was really cool
0: what did you think about Ares? Uh, I thought it was cool. The only issue, I don't think it's with a, I don't think it's necessarily a costuming issue. It was it's an, an actor, casting issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's I That guy is like, I don't buy that. Yeah. Yeah. If anything was going to take me out of it, like I think that would have been it. And it's so interesting because. Um, just to go back a second to talk about like, isn't it interesting when you become more aware of things, how like I would never have caught all those things that you just caught. And so it's so it's so funny because there's these things that occur in films or any kind of stories, really, where when you become suddenly become aware of them because of some expertise you've gained, it's like those take you out of it. Mm-hmm. So the 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 bar just keeps being raised for film for storytellers of like, oh, wow, I'll get this right. But yeah, it, specifically for Ares, I think um, it was more the—I didn't buy the transformation of the actor, not yeah. the costuming. That was my problem too.
1: I almost wish it was just costuming. Like mm-hmm. I almost wish when the transformation happened, because I like hiding him. I like that Ares was this other guy the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we knew he wasn't going to be Ludendorff. We just didn't know where he was going to come from. Right. You know, and right. and, and um, I almost wish that he would have been a more powerful presence and not so human-like even and they still could have used the costume concept but maybe you couldn't see the man inside anymore like he was just this big armored creature or something like that yeah
2: I kind of saw his like you know old guy in a suit persona like as a disguise almost and not like he's a shape-shifter or whatever right but I almost I was expecting him like at the start of that battle scene and him pulling all the metal from his surroundings, I kind of expected to see his true form. Yeah. And he didn't. But yeah. that's kind of like, I would have totally believed that. Yeah. Because he's a god, so Because sure. in the comics, right, we right, see... Right. shift you know.
1: Yeah. And in the comics, a lot of the representations that we've seen of Ares, he doesn't have human features. He's humanoid. He's got mm. arms and legs and he looks like a big giant man and stuff, but he doesn't have a face. It's black mm. with red eyes and it's more just all armor, you gotcha. know. And it's almost like there's this mystical force underneath mm-hmm. the armor. Mm-hmm. And I was—I think I was kind of hoping that, that we were going to get that.
0: Yeah, and we, we didn't. DC has DC in the DC EU. Has DC had a villain that was not heavily CG? Luther. Yeah, Luther's the only Zod. one. But even Zod, when he's in battle mode, he goes into some not 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 Michael Shannon's face yeah, but the rest yeah. of his body goes cg yeah it's interesting it's interesting that yeah that they have leaned
1: heavily on the the cg yeah doomsday and in suicide squad it was even worse like it was just these faceless that's yeah. a whole other thing. We have we, already talked about Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> no, a but I long time ago. It would be ago. cool if,
2: like, inside his helmet, it was just a dark void. Yeah, because that would that's be cool. scarier. That would be yeah. cool. Yeah. You know, like, yep. what happened to you know the frail old guy? Right?
0: Yeah, Yeah. Or even and then if he you, was, like, using a body. Like, he was possessing that dude and then just, right. like, ripped apart the body <laughs> yeah. and, like, steps out. You know, that would be awesome. Right. And then
1: you carry through some sort of twisted version of David Thwaites' voice. Yes. Yeah. You know, because he's got a great voice. Yes, yes, he does. He just doesn't look menacing. He yeah, looks right. goofy. And yeah. maybe, like,
0: the void face, but also a great mustache like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hipster Ares. <laughs> well, curly right. on the end.
2: <laughs> He'd have his... his Craft brew Yeah, <laughs> <after the
0: battle. laughs> Yeah, that's what he pulls towards himself, is just craft, <laughs> craft brew. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay,
1: well, I'm going to transition here. Before we talk <clears throat> about some other stuff, is there anything else about Wonder Woman specifically that you guys have on your minds that you wanted to say?
2: About Wonder Woman the character or Wonder Woman the movie? Anything with
1: that movie specifically. I'm going to move into some other films at this point. Mm. So...
2: Um, I just like, uh, you asked me like about the, I guess you already asked me this kind of, but the contributing to the story aspect. Um, and I think it's interesting how just the Wonder Woman uniform per se, like progress the story, even just being the same costume. Like we first see it in the tower and you're like, Oh, we just shifted gears. You know, like when yeah. when Diana sees it, you know. And then when next time we see it, she's in it, and she's going to take Steve off the, off the island. Yeah, And you shift gears again, you know. It's like ramping up. And then, like, she's coming out of the trench, going to take off across no man's land. Yeah. And, like, we hit the NOS button. We're going for it, you know. <laughs> like, all of us sat up in our seats, and we're like, things are getting real. Yeah. You know, and that's just that same costume, but just progressing just through the story and the story progressing, the costume too, yeah. in in a sense. And then I also liked Steve's progression of his costumes, like where he's first in like the stolen German uniform, yeah. Yeah. He's just doing his job and yep. you know doing his thing. And then you see him like pulling into London, and I'm sure he just bought the tugboat captain's clothes off of his yeah. back or something yeah. like that, because you can't be walking around right. London. And then they go to Selfridge's, the the department store, and he's dressed very dapper in a Mm. nice suit and in a fedora because he knows he's headed to go talk with the most powerful men in the country.
1: And he's above average. And he's above average.
2: (laughs) So, like, he's dressing for that job. Yeah, right. And then the next time we see him, probably in his own civvies because he's not doing government work. And I Mm. think that's when we really see, like, Steve the man. Yeah. Mm for the good and the bad as you know as inspiring and as flawed as he is like you just kind of see that change just in his clothes too like he has different clothes to do different jobs so i think yeah Yeah. that was really cool
1: well and i also think it's interesting for him because i don't think i don't think he has a good sense of who he is at the Mm -hmm. beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. you know like they ask him who he is and his answer to that under duress of the lasso is i'm a spy right you know? Right. And it feels like he sort of finds who he is through the experiences of the movie and through mm-hmm. his connection to Diana and stuff like that. So I hadn't thought about that before, but the costumes kind of contribute to that. You know, right. it's like he's putting on these other personas, but it's like who actually is Steve Trevor. Right. Hmm. Yeah.
0: That's great. One other thing I would say is as we've talked about it, Wonder Woman is my second favorite um. Uh, comic book movie of all time. Behind The Dark Knight. Yeah. The Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> but as I think about like that how the costumes impact the story, how the story progresses, uh this the the tone of the story, I do think that it is right up there with the Dark Knight and far superior, in my opinion, than most of the MCU. Yeah. which I don't think takes it quite as a realistic take. And so we see things in sort of like a, a filtered world that is a, that if you were to argue with me, you'd say, yeah, but it's more superhero in the MCU's take. And I'd be like, yeah, it's more comic book-y superhero-y, But for the movies that I like that are this more realistic take on superheroes entering this this realm that we live in, I prefer this. And I think yeah. Wonder Woman does that really well. Really, really, so
2: many well. more layers in this movie and all of those layers need to be dressed. Yeah. You know, you've got the escaping people that are, you know, right before they get to the trench. Right. And, I mean, you've got so many levels of people that are so different. So yeah, all the layers and the textures that are there just make it really rich.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I guess that's that's an awesome discussion about Wonder Woman. And I do want to transition into talking about some other films. But if you guys want to hear that, you're going to need to join us on Patreon because we're going to save that for our Patreon exclusive portion. So head over to Patreon and become a member so you can hear Kate and us talk about some other films and the costuming in those films. So that's it for today's show. And this has been awesome. Kate, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's been great to have you on here. Super fun. if you guys want to know what Kate's up to, go to South Coast Repertory and go see the shows. That's right. What's, what's running right theater. now? What's coming up?
2: Uh, gosh, we're heading towards the end of the season. So right now, a uh, play by a new work that we commissioned by Amy Freed is playing right now called Shrew. And it is a retelling of William Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. We are opening for a shorter two-week run is a play called Little Black Shadows. And then next, we're on a play, and I don't know the playwright, I'm sorry. And the next is another play called uh, The Sisters Rosenzweig, which is touches on the three sisters, but not a whole lot. But hmm. that rounds out our, our season of um, plays. And then we start the season in September with an adaptation of Jane Austen's Sense and Sensibility.
1: Oh, cool. Oh, cool. cool. Awesome. So go check all that stuff out, guys. Thanks, Kate, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. This has been really fun. And you guys out there who are listening, please do not forget to
0: subscribe. That's right. And leave us a comment or send us an email at thestorygeeks at gmail.com. Also, we love iTunes reviews, and we read iTunes reviews on the show from time to time. So give us an iTunes review, and we'll read it on the show. We always appreciate those. Mm-hmm. That's right.
1: And if you enjoyed today's show or any of the shows we've done in the past, please share them with your friends. Um, Links to everything we've talked about today are going to be in the show notes. Don't forget to check out the exclusive on Patreon. We're going to be talking about other movies, other costumes. And so we'll go beyond Wonder Woman. So head over to thestorygeeks.com, sign up, contribute to Patreon. We always say, you know, three bucks a month, you get everything we do. It's cheaper than a comic book and it'll last longer. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's true And always question everything In your favorite geek stories And always seek the truth